They got their franchise quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect them? Take Evan Neal, who's played left and right and guard. Do you take Ike Mekwanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took the corner in J.C. Horn last year. You come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. Happy Monday and welcome into First Draft. I am Field Yates and we are here to service you, the people that love the NFL Draft more than anything else, every Monday and I am joined today by the man who started the industry of NFL draft coverage. He is, of course, the incomparable Mel Kuyper Jr. Mel, happy Monday to you. And as we're having this conversation, it's a busy Monday. How are you, my friend? Great. First day of spring was yesterday, and uh, now we got trades happening with quarterbacks field, a lot of activity, obviously, with free agency ongoing, the draft itself with pro days taking place, uh, a lot of speculation about where quarterbacks will land, both veteran and rookie. Uh, it's going to be a fun ride all the way to April 28th, uh, Field, no question about that. No doubt about that, Mel, and Todd, Todd, Todd tells us he's at something called <laughs> pro days. I don't know. I got some sources down on the beach in Cancun who are telling me that Todd may be getting some sun with the family this week. No, no, no. I kid. I kid. Mel is on the pro day circuit. Excuse me. Todd is on the pro day circuit this week. We've got a bunch of pro days, including those for four top quarterback prospects Monday through Thursday of this week. But Mel, today's focus is going to be on some trades that are significant and that have a significant impact on the draft not just because they involved big draft compensation, but because they either create or take away team needs. And let's begin with the biggest trade of the NFL offseason, at least so far, which is the Cleveland Browns acquiring Deshaun Watson in a stunner for a package that includes three first-round picks plus two additional picks with Deshaun Watson and a fifth-round pick going to Cleveland, that fifth-round pick, in 2024. Mel, let's, let's start with the draft side of this, and, and let's be very clear. The Deshaun Watson situation is not, about, not exclusively about football. Uh, he still faces 22 civil lawsuits, and the Browns can release whatever statements they want and use whatever words they want to describe their comfort level and their research. The fact of the matter is there are till 22 civil lawsuits that need to be addressed one way or another. And perhaps Deshaun Watson will be found guilty of nothing. But this case is not yet over, certainly not in my eyes. I want to make that clear. I don't want, the, I don't want people to think that we are just talking about this in a football conversation and we're moving forward. But what was your initial reaction to Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland and the various tentacles that are involved in that trade? Shocked, I guess is the word, after you had yeah, heard that Cleveland was out. You know, you think about New Orleans, you think about, you know, a situation with Atlanta. It looked like Atlanta was going to be maybe the landing spot for Deshaun Watson. Carolina, they were supposedly in the mix, then they were out. Well, if Carolina's out, then they said Cleveland was out. Well, Cleveland wasn't out. And Jimmy Haslam, the owner, had to have a lot to do with this, to sign off on this with the amount of money guaranteed to Deshaun Watson, as you said, with still a cloud hanging over his head. So I think when you look at uh, you know, the teams in the NFC South, that we thought were going to be one of those teams was going to get to Sean Watson. They have not. Carolina is sitting there with Sam Darnold. Atlanta is sitting there now with Matt Ryan traded to the Colts. 
without a quarterback. New Orleans, Jameis Winston's situation. What are they going to do? Brady's back in Tampa. So the NFC South, which you thought was going to happen, obviously didn't. And then you still have Baker Mayfield now because of Cleveland making the move for Deshaun Field. Where does Baker Mayfield end up? He said, hey, I'd like to be an Indianapolis Colt. Well, Matt Ryan's an Indianapolis Colt now. Where does Baker land? Does Baker go to Atlanta now to replace Matt Ryan? What happens to Baker? What happens to Jordan Love? Does Green Bay hold him? Do they trade him? The rookie quarterback, I mean, I'm a, uh, former Rookie first-round draft choice, now entering year three. Jordan Love is five months younger than a rookie coming up in Kenny Pickett, who's going to be a first-round pick. So Jordan Love out there as well. And then you have Jimmy Garoppolo still there. He's coming off the surgery. What's going to be his status uh, in terms of going into this season? Healthy. We'll see on all that. And if he is, he's obviously worthy of being established as a starting quarterback you can win with who ends up with Jimmy G. So those are the options teams have field. But I think it's going to be fascinating to see where one – Baker Mayfield, and former number one pick overall not long ago, the quarterback who two years ago almost had the Cleveland Browns in a Super Bowl, and who this past year was not only hurt, but everything around him went awry. So I think Baker Mayfield becomes a guy I'm going to keep a very close eye on and see which team makes that move to get the former number one pick out of Oklahoma. Yeah, Mel, we'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield. It feels like his options are starting to run a little bit limited, but that being said, there are probably enough people that are believers in Baker Mayfield, and you just mentioned you know, Atlanta's Dyers and Dyer Straits right now for a quarterback, so perhaps there is a market, maybe a small one for Baker in time. I want to go back to Houston here for a second, Mel, and I think maybe it's worth reminding some people that Deshaun Watson's trade demand came well before we were aware, at least most of the public was aware, of his legal issues. He wanted out of Houston. Nick Casario was hired as a GM and basically inherited this problem. So Houston had to be extremely patient and had to be respectful of the legal process, but they end up trading a player that we once thought was going to be their starting quarterback for 10 or 15 years. Uh, But given his demand, it was time. It was time for Deshaun Watson moving on from Houston. It was an awkward year this past year. It was surprising to me that the NFL did not step in when he was being ruled out of games every single Friday with a non-injury designation But it was time for Houston, and they end up with three first-round picks. We can talk about the 2023 and 2024 first-round picks in future year podcasts. But for 2022, Mel, a team that has made one first-round pick in the last four years, that was Titus Howard in 2019, now is two of the top 13. Which direction should Houston be looking at this time? I think the offensive line field with Ikea Kwanu from NC State, who's an outstanding football player, his development in pass protection was significant. He was always a destructive run blocker. He's a great kid, high character individual. Equanu is a formation foundation piece to me. Uh, that's where you would think about it three. Then you come back at 13. Do you look at Jordan Davis, mm-hmm. an intriguing guy because he's so gifted athletically for a, a, a mountain of a man, a immovable defensive tackle. Sean Robinson meant so much to the Rams. Why? Because he could stuff the run, and they had complimentary pass rushers all around him, inside and outside. If he goes to a team that has that type of ability, fine. Houston, could they look at him and then try to surround him with those kinds of players? They were 27th in the league against the run last year, Field. So that would be a possibility. Somebody within that top 15 to 20 is going to roll the dice. The Jordan Davis can be more impactful against the pass, and he's always going to be, as I said, somebody immovable along the interior, which will shut down that that run lane and that uh, inside run game of the opposition as A'shaun Robinson did with the LA Rams. So that's the direction they could go. Remember, Davis Mills 
quarterback out of Stanford, David Shaw raved about him early on to me, okay? And the development of Davis Mills this year went kind of under the radar field. Yeah. He was a good, solid rookie quarterback in a lot of games, okay? So how do they feel about Davis Mills? Don't write him off. Oh, he's a third-round pick. He played like a first in a lot of games. So Davis Mills, if they want to move forward with him, it seems like there's a reason maybe to do so. Yeah, I think they at least uh, – Nick Casario, their GM, stopped short of sort of declaring him the starter Davis Mills when he had his press conference on Saturday in regards to Deshaun Watson – but he made it clear, like, you know, he's sort of the guy that has the chance to compete for that job. And maybe in a different draft, Mel, the conversation would be different if this were last year and not this year. But given the fact mm-hmm. that there isn't a clear-cut number one quarterback on the board, it feels like Davis Mills would be the odds-on favorite to be their starting quarterback going into 2022. Houston has plenty of needs. Now they have more resources to acquire them this year and next year and the year after that. Should be noted that Cleveland still has enough draft capital here this year, Mel. They still have, I believe, five picks in the top 114. So they still are going to have some some dart throws, uh, if you will, in the first three and a half, four rounds, I should say. Um, But they made another trade with another Texas team. That's the Dallas Cowboys, in which they acquired Amari Cooper. And I know that the Amari Cooper trade was made before the Deshaun Watson trade, but it feels like that's the kind of deal, Mel, it's going to have significantly more impact with quarterback certainty. At some point, I think there's a chance, if not a good chance, that Deshaun Watson will have to serve a suspension, but he was signed to a five-year deal. This Amari Cooper trade seems like it could be a high-impact one for Cleveland. What would you make of it? Could be. Uh, and obviously it came, and then obviously Watson comes to, to Cleveland. It's shockingly for me. I did not expect Cleveland to be as major a player, and certainly to get him and land him. For the draft choices, it to me made sense, Field. Three ones for, for Deshaun Watson, and the third, the other picks kind of wash out the four and the five. You had to get one back. So, so three ones and a three for a quarterback who's young. Uh, I'm not going to get to the off-the-field stuff because we've covered that already. What's the cloud hanging over the head of, of that organization still and Deshaun Watson? But where they are with Deshaun Watson and what he did in Houston with nothing around him that final year, the numbers he put up and how good he was, now you surround him. And as I said before, Baker Mayfield didn't have a chance. With the injury he had, say left non-throwing, okay, it affects your right arm. That injury affects your whole body, everything you do. And to have all the pieces around him uh, get hurt and have issues, now all of a sudden Deshaun Watson maybe comes into a more stable situation, better maybe good, better fortune on the injury front, which will allow the Cleveland Browns to be a factor right away this year. Again, which they were supposed to be last year. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl. I had Cleveland and Green Bay in the Super Bowl. I was wrong on both teams, but I thought Cleveland could be that kind of club based on what they did the previous year when he had them almost in a Super Bowl, Baker Mayfield did. Couldn't foresee all the injuries, and certainly the injuries that Baker Mayfield tried to play through. Give him credit for that. So people want to slam Baker Mayfield and criticize and ridicule Baker Mayfield. He's not the guy. I think he can be the guy. Mm. And I want to see if Atlanta, somebody has to make that move now. We thought that with the Colts would be the team. What does Seattle do? It seems like they like Drew Locke more than maybe other people do. But Atlanta's sitting there needing a quarterback, and Baker Mayfield's available. And uh, I want to see who ends up with, like I say, the former number one pick overall who has – uh, yeah, people say maturity. I said that when he came out. Okay, well, obviously the way they handle him. Four coaches field in what is in career so far yeah. in four years. Four different head coaches. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're going to criticize Baker Mayfield. Doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll see where Baker Mayfield ends up next. I do wonder if the Browns try to act fast because his fully guaranteed eighteen point eight five eight million dollars salary is still on their salary cap 
until they make a move trading away, or if they can make a move trading away Baker Mayfield. Just a quick note on the Amari Cooper trade. A lot of people had the Browns taking a, a wide receiver in the first round of their mock drafts, a pick number 13 overall. Obviously, that pick is no longer theirs. It belongs to Houston, but they have their wide receiver one in Amari Cooper. We're going to come back in just a second and dive into a trade that, frankly, I thought was the most shocking, as in I had no idea there was a chance it was going to happen. But before we do that, a couple of words from some of our friends that help make this show possible. CSX Transportation is an industry leader on the move. A railroad company has immediate openings for freight train conductors. Join the CSX team and start your paid on-the-job training today, earning nearly $25 per hour with no degree required. If you're safety-focused with the passion for great service, you've got what it takes to move your career forward at CSX. Apply at, CXX, apply at csx.com careers. That's csx.com careers. CSX is an equal opportunity employer. First Draft is also brought, also brought to you by St. Bonaventure. The NFL Draft is almost here, and draft gurus are predicting who will be this year's hottest picks. They're doing what they love, but isn't it time to start doing what you love? Sport journalists anticipate a play before it happens. They foresee opportunities and know when to act on them. Even understanding how to talk to players is an acquired skill. St. Bonaventures will give you the confidence you need. They're 100% online. Masters of Art and Sports Journalism is guided by Alumni Advisory Board, who hold top jobs in the country's largest media organizations. Become a modern-day sports journalist and create inspiring stories based on the best journalistic practices. Learn a variety of digital skills like social media storytelling, podcasting, and mobile experiences. St. Bonaventure's online courses are designed flexibly to work around your current schedule. In just a year and a half, you too could become professional sports like us here at ESPN. That includes Woj and Tim Bonteps, who both are Bonnies themselves. There's no application fee or a GMAT required. So what's stopping you from taking to from talking to an enrollment advisor today? Visit sbujournalism.com to find out more. That's sbujournalism.com. All right, so now we're back here, Mel, and I don't know where you were when Devontae Adams was traded. That's right, Devontae Adams, one of the best players in Packers history, was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. And the trade includes a first and a second round pick, number 22 and number 53 overall, going from Las Vegas to Green Bay. Meanwhile, Adams gets a new five-year contract, which pays him $67.5 million in the first three years. That's $22.5 million on average. Mel, that was a mega, mega deal. Again, I ask you, what was your initial reaction to this blockbuster? My initial reaction, what's Aaron Rodgers saying? Yeah. Uh, is what I thought immediately, Field, is, is what's Aaron Rodgers feeling about losing his key go-to target when he's coming back to the Green Bay Packers hoping to get to a Super Bowl and win it, and he's only been to one Super Bowl in his career. He won that one Super Bowl, but to get back there over the next two or three years and have such a key entity be moving on, and they've never had a, drafted a wide receiver for Aaron. This is the year we're at 22 now and 28, and to go to Devontae Adams with that Raider team that has Waller, has Renfro, excellent slot receiver, has Jacobs at running back, now has Devontae Adams, and got Colt Miller, a great foundation piece at left tackle. They're in pretty good shape uh, in a division where they better be because that's a, a best division in football. When you think about the Packers, did they utilize that 22nd pick? You think about the 28th pick as well on a receiver. It's one of those two, and they have offensive line issues as well. I would think the O-line field and wide receiver are two areas. Now you say, okay, what direction do they go with 22? At 21, the New England Patriots are picking. 
They need a receiver. Jamison Williams, to me, field is going to be a first-round draft choice, even though he had the ACL in the national championship game. Uh, you got New England. You know the connection with Bill Belichick with Nick Saban, okay? And then you have Green Bay at 22. Uh, you know, is there any activity in terms of trades for Green Bay to try to move ahead of New England to get Jamison at coming off the injury? If they stay at 22, they take a receiver like Traylon Burks from Arkansas or Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Yeah. Or do they take an offensive lineman like Kenyon Green from Texas A&M or Zion Johnson, Boston College, or Tyler Smith from Tulsa? Or do they wait until that 28th pick, take the lineman there, and then at 28, Look at maybe Traylon Burks or my underrated guy field, Sky Moore, who I highlighted in the off the script segment yeah. weeks ago on this particular show, and that would be a kid out of Western Michigan who I love. So there's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they they work that 22 and 28, knowing that New England at 21 is maybe targeting a similar player. Green Bay has more flexibility. That being said, they created a massive, massive hole on their roster. I mean, we're talking about objectively one of the top two, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL. That's why he got paid what he did from Las Vegas. And, you know, Mel, I don't know that it's really worth stacking the AFC West on March 21st, the day that we're having this conversation. But do you believe that this is kind of the uh, – it's, it's an all-in move from the Ra Vegas Raiders, right? It's an all-in move because now they don't pick until the third round. I believe only the Rams have less draft capital in the first three rounds than the Raiders. They also signed Chandler Jones, traded away uh, Yannick Ngakwe for Rocky Sin. Is this team good enough as constructed to either win the AFC West or make a legitimate dent in the playoff picture? You know, it's, it's a team that made a lot of moves in free agency. You added a lot of pieces as well, Field. And you mentioned Devontae Adams, and we've talked about the guys around him. They have the great slot receiver, the great tight end, the guys you can move around, running back, the left tackle. There's a lot of things going on there. Obviously, the rest of that line has to solidify. We have to see if Alex Leatherwood develops and evolves from a rookie year where he struggled, had to change positions, and becomes a key foundation piece as well for this new organization in, the, in Las Vegas where the head coach, general manager, everything kind of new, and they're starting to scratch, and they know they got the Chargers, as you said, with Justin Herbert. They've made moves, okay, significant moves to help their defense. Then you think about where we are with Kansas City. They're always going to be there with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And then you had the Denver Broncos now with Russell Wilson. So you, know, you got to try to keep up with the AFC in general too, where Josh Allen's up in Buffalo and we got all these, these quarterbacks you know, going to the AFC. How many more are going to come to the AFC? Uh, so it's it's crazy. I think everybody's trying to keep up with those teams. And if you're going to win a Super Bowl, they, you got to beat those guys. And Derek Carr... Reunite with his guy at Fresno State. Uh, you know, again, it's moves to just keep up. You got to want to win a Super Bowl in this league. What are we playing for? Eight and eight, nine and seven, or, or the old eight and eight days? Now what's it? Nine and eight? You know, ten and seven? Yeah. What are you playing for here? Uh, so I think that to get to a Super Bowl and try to win it, uh, you got to be aggressive, and you can have great drafts without first round picks, even a second round pick. The 49ers had the best draft in the history of NFL drafts. They were in the first round, traded out, and the second round, traded down, and they still had the best draft ever. So you don't need a first round pick to have a great draft or a two if you draft wisely from three through seven and you augment it with some some key free agent signings as they've done and you got a chance to have a really good football team yeah mel i will say as a consumer of the sport a fan someone who covers the sport i kind of have enjoyed what feels like a more aggressive league-wide approach i'm not sure if it's a specific thing we can point to my own hypothesis and it's something i've discussed with friends is like who, who observe the league and have wondered out loud as well is like we got a bunch of younger gms 
and they're sort of adopting the no risk it, no biscuit model that Bruce Arians, that line he always loves to use. And we're seeing these GMs who are being unafraid to make big moves. And certainly, I think a lot of them at their core would like to draft and develop. But with owners running out of patience and quarterbacks, we don't have too many quarterbacks, but we've got a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There are a lot of teams that can talk themselves into being a piece or two or three away from being ready to compete. One of those teams did that earlier today. As just before you and I got on the air, Mel, the Indianapolis Colts acquired Matt Ryan in a trade from the Atlanta Falcons. So Matt Ryan, who is the second longest tenured quarterback with, uh, from the first round with his initial team, uh, goes to Indianapolis. I think a team that fancies itself good enough to compete. What do you make of this trade, Mel? And Indy already did not have a first-round pick. I think, as far as the draft is concerned, I think the Falcons become one of the wild cards of round one now. A wild deal all the way around. Matt Ryan leaves Atlanta where they thought they were trying to win. They don't have any receivers, okay? they got to get receivers in that program. they got to get a quarterback now. And Matt Ryan goes to India team personnel-wise is ready to maybe challenge for a Super Bowl. We thought they were last year. Everybody blames Carson Wentz. How about the left tackle retiring and a receiver getting hurt, okay? But you got Jonathan Taylor running the football. Bauer's always been regarded as one of the elite GMs, but he hasn't done really well at quarterback. Phillip Rivers for one year got into the playoffs, and Buffalo beat him, right? Josh Allen beat him. Last year, they were a play a game away, couldn't get it done. And that first drive against Jacksonville, Jacksonville went the entire way for a touchdown. First time or second time all year, they had first drive touchdown. That was against that defense that needed to win that game to get into the playoffs, okay? So I think it, what it, all this tells me is, Field, I've said this for years, this league to this day is clueless on how to evaluate quarterbacks. They don't know. They just flat out don't know. If you look at Josh Allen, he was the third quarterback taken, Okay. You think about where Justin Herbert, third quarterback taken. Derek Carr was a second-round pick. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. They brought, they brought in Carson Wentz, and one year they jettisoned him, and he's off to Washington. It's like a grab-bag approach. And in the draft, we know they don't because some of the quarterbacks went high aren't even with their teams. Look at Wentz in golf, 1-2. Look at Baker Mayfield, number one overall. Josh Rosen, is he in the league? Okay, where is he? I bet you that's a lot of people they wouldn't know. So, again, it just speaks to... To this day, we talk about pro days, combines. These, this league does not know how to evaluate quarterbacks. That's the bottom line. It's fact. It's not fiction. It's fact. And they may never figure it out. The teams have gotten lucky that it just worked that way, that the quarterback fell to them, turned out to be better than the ones that went ahead of them. But, uh, again, I want to see where, like I say, what Atlanta does. We want to see if Seattle sticks with Locke. Uh, we got to see what Pittsburgh does. You know, They're in a situation with a division now that includes Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson and one Joe Burrow, the great Steeler organization, this iconic organization. What do they do? So I think it's still a lot of work to be done. Quarterbacks, as we said, field like Baker Makefield, like a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, Jordan Love, Marcus Mariota. There's still some pieces out there. And then you get to the draft. This speaks to the Wentz trade to Washington. All these things that are going on speak to the lack of confidence in this quarterback draft class. Mel, so a lot to unpack there. But to your initial point about how this league is consistently missing the boat on drafting or how to evaluate quarterbacks, what do we say when a team uses a first-round pick on a quarterback or, or a lot of players? We, some of the analysis is this guy's going to be a 10-year, 15-year cornerstone, right? I just went through and looked at this as I had been pulling the note up previously. Between 2006 and 2016, I believe, and I might be off by one or two here, I've counted, I think, 28 quarterbacks taken in the first round. 28! 
None of them are with their original team anymore. Not a single one now that Matt Ryan has been traded. So we can talk about players in the first round, franchise pillars for 10 years. I'm not so sure that's always the case, especially at the quarterback spot. But now Atlanta, like as we sort of look at this franchise, I don't know how many pieces they have on their roster that are for sure long-term building blocks, to use that phrase one more time. I think we feel strongly about Kyle Pitts and A.J. Terrell on defense and a few others. But do they now need to take a quarterback in the first round? They have already been linked to Marcus Mariota, who I think has a real shot to end up signing in Atlanta now that Matt Ryan has been traded. Or do they, excuse me, this team needs to just sort of keep going and trying to stay above average? Like, what direction do they need to go now? You know, Arthur Smith, and again, that connection you mentioned with Mariota, you think about, yeah. you know, do you use the eighth pick overall when you have quarterbacks field that I rank as 18, 19, 20, 25? That's where they are on the board. We're talking about Pickett, Willis, Corral, Ritter, those quarterbacks, okay? I think Matt Corral could emerge. I mean, don't, don't count him out to be QB1 by the time we get to April 28th. I, wow. I know it's all talk about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. Matt Corral... If everything checks out medically coming off that injury for him, field, he could be the first quarterback taken. So, again, kind of mats are wild. You go from Matt Ryan, does Atlanta go to, to a, a guy like uh, you know, Matt Corral? Uh, but I think when you look at where we are with quarterbacks at eight, even at Seattle at nine, are you going to stretch it that far for a quarterback? And, you know, like a Malik Willis, who's still raw. Now, I said all along that he could be a kind of right-handed version of Michael Vick coming into the NFL with his speed, his ability to beat your run into football, his rocket arm. Atlanta had Michael Vick. Now do you go to Malik Willis? You know, what do you do with Matt Corral by the time we get to late April if everything checks out? I do mock drafts field in real time. Okay, right now, maybe we don't put Matt Corral in that top group, in that 10 to 20. Maybe we put him towards the end of the first, maybe Detroit at 32. But by the time we get to the, maybe my next mock in early to mid-April, and then we get to the day before the draft when Mach 5.0 comes out, morning of the draft, maybe Matt Corral is in there. So it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. And Desmond Ritter, Ritter from Cincinnati is gaining a little momentum as well. So maybe a uh, team jumps back into the late first to take Desmond Ritter. So we may end up, after all said and done, with four first-round quarterbacks. So even though people will argue whether they're worthy, that's the bottom line. Teams get frantic. They they overdraft quarterbacks. We see it every year. That maybe leads the field to your point about them not even being with the team that drafted them because they are always overdrafted. But I think at eight with Atlanta and at nine, Seattle, even six at Carolina. Okay. Well, yeah. What do they do? They take a they reach and stretch it for a quarterback. It'll be fun to see when the top ten, if any of those teams uh, pull the trigger on a quarterback. Mel, I, you keep mentioning how you do mocks in real time. Uh, do you have any upcoming mock drafts that maybe we should have our eyes out for? One tomorrow, and I'm going to hey. be finalizing that right after we speak. Field, it's going to be fun to see you know, how it ends up because I don't know what to do at 8 and 9. I'm going to probably leave <coughs> Seattle with Charles Cross, the left tackle from Mississippi State. I may leave Atlanta, a receiver like Garrett Wilson, because guess what, Field? This is why we do it in real time. What if Atlanta makes a move to get Baker Mayfield? You mentioned Marcus Mariota. I think you pair maybe Mark and Mariota with a rookie. It's like I really believe you pair Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh with a rookie, okay? Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky, is he the long-term answer? They can't know that. But you pair him with maybe a Malik Willis, a Kenny Pickett, or a Matt Corral, okay? When Josh Allen was drafted, remember they had A.J. McCarron was supposed to be the guy. A.J. McCarron was getting cut. Josh Allen was ready to go. So, again, I look at this and say, okay, after that, Carson Strong from Nevada has the big-time arm. Nobody in this draft 
outside of maybe Willis, okay, can throw the football like strong. But there's the mobility question, the injury question there that will push him into the second, third round. But if you can protect him with a fortified offensive line, Carson Strong is a pocket passer with a big-time, big-time arm. It's going to be really intriguing to see how his career unfolds. Seven quarterbacks, as you see right there on the full screen. For those that are watching the video version of First Draft and the variety of different ways or places, you can catch this show. So we have the Mock Draft 3.0 coming out tomorrow, Mel. And by the way, for those interested, we'll have a Mock Draft 3.0 special on ESPN2 at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday early evening. Uh, do we have? I think we have Todd, Todd, Todd for that as well, Mel. But I know at least you and I will be there talking about your Mock Draft and reacting to all the newest picks. Uh, part of the reason why Mock Drafts are ever-evolving is that things are taking place, as we talked about all these trades, Mel, I wanted to just do a quick recap of some of the things that have taken place over the past week in free agency and really, unfortunately, uh, on the pro day circuit as well. They're going to impact the first round. Um, so David Ajabo is a pass rusher from Michigan. He's the second best pass rusher from Michigan in this draft behind Aiden Hutchinson, but he's still an awesome player. He suffered a torn Achilles at his pro day just last week, Mel, and it's devastating. Achilles... You know, unless your Cam Akers can be close to a full year recovery. How does this impact the first round? And Mel, if you were the agent or the advisor for a player that was viewed as a top 15 prospect, do you think we've gotten to the point where you would be holding or advising that player from not being a part of a pro day? hard to say we're going to bypass things that are key to evaluating and finalizing whether we're going to draft a player ahead of somebody else field that was a freak injury so sad to hear about what went on to see it it's it just tragic to, to see a guy you know is going to go in the middle of the first round and you see the injury occur here you can't it's like when Terrell Suggs tore his Achilles playing basketball in the offseason right you know it can happen you know, this doesn't happen, happen doing a pro day. It can happen just doing a normal workout when you're out there. Like I say, playing maybe at a pickup basketball game. It could happen at any point like that. It's a wear and tear these guys' bodies go through, and, and injuries can occur. So I don't think it would impact that. What it impacts, obviously, unfortunately, is David Ojabo's draft position field. You say, where would he have gone had he not sustained this injury? Baltimore. McDonald, the new defensive coordinator, was in Michigan with David Ojabo. They need a pass rusher. Zarius Smith's not right now a, a Raven. He was going to be. Then it didn't work yeah. out. So they have uh, Owe, who they drafted, and now they look at maybe Ojabo, not with the injury. Then you had Philadelphia maybe thinking Ojabo, too. Field, now they won't. So would Kansas City at the end of the first think Ojabo? You know, possibly, but more than likely, my intel field, I know you talk to everybody in the league, my intel is, is telling me that David Ojabo now goes in round two rather than the mid to late first round. Yeah, I would think so as well, Mel. We saw a prospect, uh, we, we've seen like prospects get hurt during the pre-draft process and fall by a round or so. Um, and ultimately, I always tell, I always, and not that these teams always listen, Mel, but I always think that like a guy drafted in the first or second round, even the third, any round, really, Mel. Like, especially those first three, though, when we feel like those guys have a pretty good chance of being a legit starter in the league, is that, like, you're not just drafting that player for the first year of his career, right? Like, maybe a running back, it's for the early portion of his career, but you're drafting players to hopefully get four, five, six, seven years out of them. If you think David Ajabo a year from now is going to be the best pass rusher on your team, I still think he's worth a top 45 or 50 pick. We shall see, and certainly we wish him the best in a speedy recovery. Um, a couple of moves around free agency and some trades as well, Mel. 
the Chiefs signed Juju Smith-Schuster. They had been a very popular team to mock a wide receiver to in drafts. Does this change your feeling about what direction the Chiefs should go? Or the fact that it's a one-year deal, does that make you feel like wide receiver two is still in need there in Kansas City? I think they'll address it. A wide receiver is a very, very deep position in this draft field. I mean, I love Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Kyle Phillips is another Hunter Renfro-type slot receiver. I mentioned Sky Moore, Western Michigan, is a great late first, second-round pick. How about Calvin Austin the third out of Memphis? Love his speed and the way he plays football because he's tough and he takes hits and he's a great punt returner. So the, the, the receiver depth, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, is elevating because of his great length and the way he performed at North Dakota State. Uh, uh, in terms of his versatility. So this this wide receiver group, uh, Wandale Robinson in Kentucky, formerly in Nebraska, there's a lot of receivers in this draft, both slot and outside, that will be able to help you. I think you look at the defensive line. Like I said, for David Ojabo, Kansas City would never have seen Ojabo there you know, if everything would have gone the way it was supposed to and he has the pro day and he goes in healthy. The fact that he's injured now forces him down maybe to Kansas City. They look at it and say, hey, we wouldn't have seen him here. Now we have him here. We're in a division with great quarterbacks. We're in a conference with great quarterbacks that we got to get after. Then let's do it. Or does he, as we talked about, get into the second round? I have maybe George Karloftis from Purdue. At one point in time, people were talking. I wasn't, but there were talk, people talking top. One, two, three of the draft. Well, he's going to go probably 25 to 32, 20 to 32 now. Maybe even get into the second round. Some thinks maybe Karloftis is a two. Maybe Kansas City now looks at him ahead of Ojabo. But I think David Ojabo will be under consideration. It's tough to overlook him because of what you said, Field, about, hey, if he's ready late season, great. If you have to redshirt him, but you're getting a guy who's a top 10, top 15 caliber player in the late first round. But when we get into the second round, I think you can rest assured somebody's going to be aggressive and maybe even go up to get Ojabo or certainly take him if he falls to them in round two. I, mean, I know you wanted to chime in on, on uh, Jamison Williams, a wide receiver who tore his ACL in January during the national championship game, a player that I believe should still go in the first round. What's the latest in terms of what you're seeing or hearing or thinking about his draft outlook? Feel the intel says first round, which is great because uh, to hear because you, know, you have the ACL in a national championship game, a game that I believe Alabama wins if he doesn't get hurt. That's how vital and critical he was for that Alabama football team coming from Ohio State for that one great season that he gave Nick Saban. Not only being able, as we see her, take the top off a of defense on a game-to-game -game basis. Okay, He did it not once or twice. Game-to-game, -game, he took that top off a of defense. Highly competitive. You see where he fights, how explosive he is. After the catch, he can outrun cornerbacks to pay dirt. And he's a great special teamer, okay? As well, kick returner, he's tough as hell. He's a guy that everybody respects. Jamison Williams. So it's great to see him back in that first round discussion. Uh, like I said, I think Green Bay, New England, you got plenty of teams in the late first round are going to be looking possibly at a wide receiver with his skill set. And another guy, if he's not ready right away, he'll be ready maybe midseason. We talked about Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers when they start making that playoff run. Aaron uh, Jamison Williams may be ready to go. And let's face it, you don't draft necessarily one receiver, you draft multiple receivers if you're the Packers. And this great depth at wide receiver. I highlighted some of those players already field the great depth at wide receivers wife I'm the Packers I'm coming out of this draft with a minimum of two receivers maybe as many as three completely agree Mel I mean maybe things will change with uh, the leftover pieces in free agency Odell Beckham Jr. amongst the unsigned wide receivers right now that are most notable so things could change but I'm with you Green Bay has to draft at least one wide receiver. As we all know, it's been a long, long time, all the way back since Javon Walker, which was, was it 2004, Mel? The last time they used a first-round pick on a wide receiver, a stat 
that simply will not go away. Uh, let's wrap up here on this conversation, Mel. A little bit of the shuffling of the deck. The Rams signed Allen Robinson, and for a minute I was thinking to myself, wow, Allen Robinson alongside Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Odell Beckham Jr.? How do you stop that offense? Well, Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't yet been signed. He could be re-signed by the Rams, and Robert Woods has now been traded to the Titans. The Rams are so far removed from the draft capital conversation that we can focus in on Tennessee in this case, Mel. Uh, does this eliminate, did you view wide receiver as enough of a need for them to be using a first round pick on a wide receiver? Or did you feel like it was more of a secondary or tertiary need that they were not as frequently right. a team that you were saying, all right, maybe a Jamison Williams goes there late in the first round? I did. I really thought wide receiver, a speed guy. I was thinking maybe if you want to you know, go with Calvin Austin the third, uh, Jahan Dotson would have yeah. made a lot of sense. Love the ability he has after the catch. I love the way he competes. He attacks the ball with his hands. Jahan Dotson's a heck of a player, so certainly he would have been in that discussion. Now you think about maybe the interior of the offensive line, maybe that guard spot. You look at Kenyon Green, Texas A&M, Zion Johnson from Boston College, and you can wait a little bit. I highlighted this kid on their off-the-script segment of field a couple weeks ago. Dylan Parnum, Parnum from Memphis. Dylan Parnum from Memphis is a guy who can be, a, I think, a Pro Bowl caliber guard. He's got a chance to be a center. He's a kid who technically, and the way he gets after people, and how consistent he is, and how versatile he is, I think there's a guy you say that people aren't going to put in the first round. But you get into round two, I think Parham's got a chance to be a really good foundation piece and a guy who can help an offensive line right away and give you that versatility if you have an injury to be able to flip inside, develop into a center. But as a guard, I think he's the third best pure guard in this draft. And I really like this kid's ability to be a whale of a second rounder. Love it. I love, I love when Mel gets deep in on some of these prospects that most people have never even heard of, and Mel can tell you about them, more about them, and they can probably tell you about themselves. So, Mel, a lot of activity has already taken place. Again, just to recap, Deshaun Watson, now a Cleveland Brown. Matt Ryan, now an Indianapolis Colt. Mari Cooper, now a Cleveland Brown. Russell Wilson, now a Denver Bronco. Quarterback trades have been the theme of the offseason, and it's possible that we are not yet Done. We appreciate everybody here who checked in on First Draft. And we are back on Thursday, Mel. We've taken some Thursdays off recently, but we are back. A big thanks to not just my guy, Mel Kuyper Jr., but also Kevin Agandi, who held down the fort last week. Mel, looking forward to talking to you on Thursday and following along with all of these huge pro days this week.